0: hear the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. My brothers, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? or were you baptized in the name of Paul I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name I did baptize also the household of Stephanas beyond that I don't know whether I baptized anyone else For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Amen.
1: Thank you, Cynthia. I'm always amazed how we love battle. We love a good fight. I sat in the middle of a sea of orange in my section... A game against by who? And here were the words that were screamed around me: "Kill him! Hit him! Take him down! Get him! Get him! Get him!" All around me, just surrounded by these screams, fighting into the battle. Happens in all kinds of sports venues, and I, I get right into the middle of it too. Get them. Hit them harder. We had a game a couple weeks ago. I coached football, and, and uh, the team that my middle son is on, Joshua, it's his third year of tackle. And we're always getting on the guys to make the tackle, hit them strong. And one of our guys did, and he came right into a guy, head on head, Super hard tackle. You could hear the crack across all the fields. And they took him off in an ambulance to the hospital. Severe concussion. Actually, he had a little brain bleed. And then he went home, and they said he was going to be okay. And then we got a call two nights ago. I said he was taken back to emergency. And so we went and spent several hours at emergency with him. And it was just a bad concussion. Swelling in the brain. As we sat with a little guy, he'd be looking at you and, and then he would he would doze off and then he'd kind of twitch. And he'd wake up. And he was in good spirits. He all did doze off again? Yeah, he dozed off again. His brain was hurting. There was a lot of damage from that hard hit. From that concussion. And yet we're so drawn to the hard hit. We're so drawn to the battle, and we forget sometimes what the damage of all that is when we take a hard hit or when we deliver one. We're drawn to it on TV, aren't we, all the reality TV shows, the tension and the conflict. It makes good TV, but again, there's lots of damage left behind in relationships and all that's going on. The concussion after the big hit has lasting damage. Billie Holiday, who was an old jazz singer, said this, Sometimes it's worse to win a fight than to lose one. We end up with a lot of wreckage along the way. And all of this attack and all of this battle, all the war that we kind of get into, and we yell, hit them harder. The the unfortunate reality of all that, because we're surrounded by it, it starts to infiltrate into the church family. And it starts to penetrate here. And in our mind, in our hearts, we're thinking, hit them. Or hit back, because I was hit. And we... We don't seem to think about the concussion that comes from that and the damage. What's God's view when we say in the church family, hit them harder? Plain and simple. God absolutely hates it. He hates when we respond to each other this way. It's not just a little bit of like, God's not real happy with it. He hates it. He hates when we come against each other. He hates when we, we look for ways to harm one another or we look for ways to get back. Proverbs 6. And these are all areas that are, are getting someone back and thinking that we're, we're ones who are better and we deserve to have what's right. There are six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Get them. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. A man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. That's the worst of all. What's God's view of all this? He hates it. And he calls us back to a place of going, how is it that we are doing this damage to each other when God has set up the body of Christ to love one another and to reflect his glory? So as people see us in the body of Christ, that people look and they say, ah, this is a God of love, this place, this temple, these people who are the temple of Christ. This reflects who God is. And so Paul is going to call us, in this chapter of Corinthians, to a place of saying, what does it look like for us as a family? To deal with these areas where we're causing concussions. And to draw us back to a place of really loving one another. And really surrendering our lives at the cross. Let me remind you of what he said Last week, he he was trying to give us the big picture of God's work in the church. It's God who established the church. We didn't have anything to do with it. He's the one who brought us together. He's the one who transformed our lives. He's the one who made us new. It's all God's work. He reminded us of our identity in Jesus Christ, which is what we talked about last week. You all are saints. You're, You're meant to be holy set apart unto Christ. That your life is is not just set apart, but set into His life and living out now the life of Christ. Christ is living through you. We are placed in Him. He is placed in us. And now we live out the life of Christ. Your identity, your identity is your holy, you're meant to be the righteousness of God. And that He's empowered us He's enriched us with spiritual gifts so that we can have this life together. So that we can build up the body of Christ. So that we can encourage one another. You know, we just can't can't do this Christian journey in our own power. There's going to be no spiritual fruit if we're trying to live life in our own strength. But he says, I've empowered you with all these things. I've given you the Holy Spirit He's empowered you to love each other. He's empowered you with with utterances of God and with the knowledge of God. And so now go and and now build up the body of Christ. And here's the promises of God. Again, these things are for us individually, but the bigger picture is that it's for us as a body of Christ. What does he promise? Verse 8. He says, listen, I'm going to help you stand firm. I'm going to help you be strong. In our walk, in our Christian walk, man, we need the Lord to help us stand strong. Because we're swayed. We get in with the crowd, hit them. They saying, that's not what I've called you to. And when we fail along the way, which we do, right? Verse 9 is a, is a very beautiful verse. one of those verses that you want to have stored in your heart. What does it say? God is faithful. He's faithful to you. We are not. But God is faithful. He's going to work out the damage. He's going to come into your life and and empower you to love each other. God's faithful to do that. God's faithful to heal broken friendship and broken marriage and broken relationship. God is faithful. And when there's damage in this body of Christ, God is faithful to help us heal. Because we're the temple, we're his bride. And he's going to do his work in us. And so Paul is drawing in and drawing us back. Saints, remember who you are, rely on the power of Christ, get the bigger picture that we reflect the glory of God that we should be, and that we live in obedience. To Christ, because of who we are. We're followers of His. He's changed our lives, and so we live unto Him. So He makes a plea, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another, so that there may be no division among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. I, I appeal, it's I beseech you, my brothers. It's a, it's a real pleading, it's a real begging, it's a calling out. It, it's an interesting word that's used there. It's the same word we use for the, for the Holy Spirit. Paraclete, parakaleo, I, I come alongside of you. And so in this, in this beseeching, He's saying, I'm coming right next to you to say, listen, don't move this direction. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg of you, beseech you, plead with you. Don't let there be division in our midst. Romans 12 has the same pleading of who we are. Therefore, I urge you, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to do what? To offer our bodies living sacrifices. Who are we as saints? We're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. How are they to look holy and pleasing to God? Why do we do this? Because he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is who we are. In Romans 12, I plead with you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Live in obedience to God. Surrender your life unto the Lord. You keep wondering why you have all of this conflict and this hatred and all of this wanting to battle. It's because you haven't surrendered your life unto the Lord. And say, so, Lord, I want to be an aroma of you. And so empower me to do so because my flesh does not want. It's the same beseeching of the prodigal. The prodigal father goes out. Remember the story? They're throwing a party. And the oldest brother is just wrapped up and red in hatred, isn't he? basically he wants to kill everybody in sight it's not fair i live my whole life following your laws he's basically caught up in legalism like the pharisees and what happens the beautiful loving father comes out to the patio and he says dear son i beseech you i parakaleo i'm coming right by your side I entreat you, please come in and let this be restored. We must celebrate because that which was lost has been found. God is a God of reconciliation. That's what he's all about, right? That's what the cross is all about. To reconcile us unto God and allow us to be reconciled unto each other. I beseech you. And what I'm trying to tell you, dear saints, is that it's no little just like, hey, I wish you guys would get along. It's so much bigger than that. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have to ask, what's going on in my heart? Where I'm getting to a place where it's just, it's just tearing us apart. Or I'm taking action that I'm just going, I am going to hit you hard. in relationships that you're walking with, and in relationships in this body of Christ. You before God know where your heart is at. And trust me, He knows very clearly where your heart is at. What does that look like? I'm coming alongside of you in order that you might speak the same thing. What what are we to speak the same thing about? About who our Lord is. About what it's all about. Christ crucified for us. And I want you to agree with one another in everything. Well, what does that mean? We know very clearly that, that we don't agree with each other. We love each other, but we don't always agree. In this church family, staff and elders, we have great, great conversations, great discussions. Do we always see eye to eye on everything and agree with everything with each other? No. But are we hitting each other? Causing division? Attacking? Causing a split? No, we're not. You can still love each other and yet have a disagreement about a direction of something as long as what? It doesn't go against the centrality of who Jesus Christ is, huh? That's the key. Who's Jesus? What's he done? What's he doing? Are we in agreement here about who he is? It's all right to to be in disagreement. In our marriages, right? We have disagreements. And I'm always right. (laughs) But here's the deal with Kina and I. Again, we disagree. We have challenges with each other. But what's the centrality for us? Hey, you know what? We're married. God has given us to each other. What do we agree on? We agree that Christ is the Lord of our lives and he's the Lord of our marriage. We agree on that. If we ever disagree on that, that's going to be a real problem. What else do we agree on? We agree that we will stay married because we value the covenant of marriage which God established, not Rod or Kina, or any of you. We agree on the value and the strength of the covenant of marriage, and we will not break that. I plead with you that you would agree with each other, that you would be like-minded. And you know what? If you haven't said that in your marriages, we will stay together. We will not divorce. You need to say that to one another. We agree on the covenant of marriage. You need to say that to each other. No matter how brutal it gets sometimes, and when we're hitting each other, we will agree on the core principle. We love Christ and we hold on to Him. And we will hold on to His strength and keep this covenant going. Come alongside each other. Agree with each other. I plead with you that there would be... The word he uses is no division, but schisms. That there's, no, there's not this grand canyon that's all of a sudden separated out. And now Bill's over here, and I'm here. And it's like, how are we going to get to each other? And because I didn't like, you know, the way Bill did something, all of a sudden I'm over here now. And then our friendship is... This is our friendship, walking side by side along this canyon... Saying I don't want this because Bill's a good brother you've walked a lot of life and just because you have an argument about something you don't, you don't just hit back you don't create this, this canyon, this schism, this separation draw near to each other be restored I plead with you that you would be restored What creates these schisms in the family of Christ, in the temple? We are the temple. What takes place within us? What do you guys see that happens for us? And a lot of times, again, this, a lot of this stuff's in our heart. But the reality is sometimes we'll say stuff. We say nasty things about each other. We are very critical, and all of a sudden we think we've got it all together. And that, thank God, we are the judge of the world about how you should live your Christian life. And when we do that, we create schisms. We create division. Some of the things. Where do we send our kids to school? Christian school, public, home school? Parenting styles. Should we, should we spank our kid? How dare they spank their kid? Or that kid definitely needs a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, we, we create schisms. The type of books and movies we're reading, were critical. The use of alcohol, what that's supposed to look like. Women in the, in the church, we create schisms about women in leadership, how that's supposed to play out charismatic gifts, you know, should I raise my hands, should I not, I don't know, you know, this body, we want the freedom of Christ, whatever, whatever the Lord's leading you to, you're not here to, to put on a show, you're here to worship God if you want to raise your hands, raise your hands, if you want to dance, do a little dance, we don't care, it's who you are in Christ but again sometimes we look at each other, and go, whoa, that's getting pretty charismatic, getting a little freaky And in our hearts, in our hearts, we create the canyon. Divorce and remarriage issues. Obviously, we're entering into incredible political issues going on. It's funny, again, how we're drawn to that. We love the debate. Our flesh digs it. And again, it infiltrates into the church. Sometimes it's just how we spend money. We look at each other like... Wow, you, you bought that. How much did that cost you? Wow. I should have bought that. Or how dare you buy that because I don't have it. <laughs> Schisms. You know what one of the biggest ones is throughout really throughout the, the, the last generation? And I mean, it goes way back. But one of the biggest ones for us in the church family And you guys could, could, I think, name it pretty easily. But the biggest challenge for all of us as we come together on Sunday mornings to worship God, guess what it is? Music. Worship. Our worship and music. Isn't it amazing that this, this schism keeps going on for years and years? You know, I've been here for 22 years. Almost 23. And... It's always interesting to me that this conversation is still part of church dialogue. It's kind of like we can't seem to get over it, or we don't want to get over it, I think, is more of the deal. I think we let the flesh kind of take control in this area of worship. And, and it's an area, again, dear saints, as this church family, Cole Community Church, that we keep having to work on. And here's the deal. We get get letters of all kinds, or we get conversations. It's like, hey, we really need to have more hymns on Sunday morning. We just have to. I'm part of this generation. That's what we were raised up in. We need to have more hymns. And then we get the, the, the younger generation coming in and saying, oh, my goodness, what are all these hymns? We need to have music that's contemporary. Hello, welcome to the 90s at least. <laughs> it can be a big schism, can it? It can be a real challenge. And I mean this very seriously for us, Cold Community Church, Body of Christ. In this area, we need to really take a look at surrendering this unto the Lord. Because we come here, we come here to worship And yet you're holding on to preference. You're holding on to preference. And you don't allow yourself to worship because you're just like, I don't like this style. And I want to get back to my roots of the hymns. And it causes division. And sometimes, you know, some of you write letters. And, and, you know, and a lot of times... Sometimes, Well, not a lot of times. Sometimes those letters are unsigned. That's just not, that's not life together, is it? That just causes a schism. How can we enter into this dialogue with you if you just write a letter saying, I want this, you don't put your name on it, and we don't get to have a conversation? I'm just telling you right now, that's sinful. That's what God hates. He hates when you cause division in the body of Christ. If you have an issue with worship, guess what? We'll have a conversation. But we really try. We try. Let me just tell you, let me share with you one of the areas. We have a philosophy of worship, of you know, musical worship. And it's on the website, and we have it in the back racks. Uh, it's available for you, Okay. Here's one area of the philosophy. The mingling of historic and contemporary music. While we realize there are many options about types of music, we seek to integrate many types of music to help all of us learn to love one another. Did you miss this part? To help all of us to learn to love one another. As we worship God together, through appropriate biblical styles of worship, music both past and present. That's our heartbeat. Sometimes that includes hymns, and I think you'll find pretty much almost every Sunday there'll be one or two hymns. You know, and I mean this very seriously, I really don't believe that you will find in this Treasure Valley a better worship leader than our sister, Adrienne. No, yeah, really. She, she spends hours and hours and hours going, Lord, what do you have for this next Sunday for us as a body of Christ? How can I somehow get in the middle so that we can have have worship style that the older saints can draw into and then yet we've got this whole generation coming up and how can we, how can we draw them in to worship with, with new style. And every Tuesday, Jackson, Adrienne and I sit together and we talk about where we're headed for Sunday. And you will know, if you pay any attention whatsoever, that the songs that we sing are absolutely tied in to where we're going in the Word of God. Every Tuesday, for several hours, and we pray together, anything that Adrienne does up here is in full submission to what the elders have asked her to do. You need to know that. So if you have issues, come talk to us. Because we've asked her to do these things. Because she longs for, and we do as the leadership of this church, we long for a body united, and we want to minister and worship in a way that we are united and drawn together. And I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, dear saints, surrender these areas where a demanding spirit, like I want this type of worship, this preference. It's not good. It's divisive. And it creates this bitterness in your heart. And so when you show up on Sundays, you just don't enter in to worshiping your Lord. We're not here to put on a show for you. We're here to allow you and draw you into worship of your Lord, our Lord, together. Okay? What causes schisms? We surrender together. He says, stop the fighting. I want you to stop going to this place where you're attacking each other, where you're creating schism." But I want you to be fitted together. I want you to be joined together. It's a beautiful word. It it has the same Greek idea. It's to carterize. It's to to meld together. To fix. It's the idea of, of the mending of nets. Jesus was out and he says he saw the disciples and they were carterizing. They were mending the nets. This is the image. I don't want you to fight. I want you to mend the net. I want you to be joined together as the body of Christ so that we reflect the glory. Here's the reality, and God knows this. This is why he prays for us, why Jesus prays for us. I pray that they become one. Why does he pray that? Because he, know, he knows we do this. Because we sin against each other. You bring a bunch of people together trying to move and worship in the Lord together, and, and we have some conflict. Because of our sinfulness, our flesh. And then on top of all that, we have the enemy who hates it when we're trying to love each other. And so there's all this attack. And he's saying, stop it. Plain and simple, knock it off. And, and be joined together. Be fitted together. He gave some to be, this is Ephesians 4, some to be apostles and some to be Prophets. Some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, that's us, for the work of service, and look at this part, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would become mature, that we would come to this measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He's created some who are are teachers and and apostles and ones who are evangelists and they are equipping the saints and that word there is that mending of nets. Why? So we can use our gifts, but look what so that we have unity that will reach the full measure of unity. So for us as shepherds, it's not just, hey, let's, let's teach you how to study the Bible or let's teach you how to, you know, do all these classes that we do. But as shepherds, it's about mending the nets. Helping you guys mend the nets with each other so that we can together have unity in the body of Christ. Does that make sense? All throughout Scripture, the Lord is about Unity. This imagery here is, is that of a tent maker. You know that they would take the canvas and it had to be put together very strong so that there wouldn't be division. And so it was put together so it wouldn't have a leaky tent. You ever have a leaky tent on one of your trips? You don't enjoy that, do you? This is why Keenan and I, we go cabining. Yeah. <laughs> In Corinth, there was a lot of brass makers, and in Corinth, what they would do is, is uh, beautiful brass work, and and the thing was is, you you're going to buy a pot, and you got to have the brass pot, and you got to have the handle that is fit strongly and firmly and put together on that pot, because that was our specialty. We make the most beautiful brass pots, and they're they're well built and they are fit together so that they last a lifetime. That's the imagery that Paul's getting in. May there be a restoration. May there be a unity. That you might be brought into oneness. And Jesus praised that, and, and Mark said that in our prayer. I pray that they would become one, Father, like, like you and I are one, that they may know you, that they may understand and experience this unity, this oneness. Here's the reality, gang. We can experience, come together in absolute love of one another like we see with what's happening with God in and of himself. That'll never be perfect till eternity, but God is empowering us to be able to love each other that way. If we surrender this bitterness, if we surrender this, I'm going to hit you, if we surrender our lives unto him and become pleasing sacrifices unto him, He can do that work in us. All of our relationships. And then our relationship as a body of Christ. But we still wrestle and we say, well, why unite when we can fight? We like the fight. I love shouting with everybody, hit them. Feels good in the flesh. Why unite? We still go there. Chloe's household is saying, listen, there's quarreling among you. There's this incredible quarrel. It's, it's, the word he uses there is actually of a Greek goddess, Eris. She was the Greek goddess in, in Greek mythology. She was the one who would stir up war. And there's always imagery of her that would depict battle and strife. And he's saying, stop this quarreling that's going on amongst you. You're, you're creating battle and strife just like the, the Greek goddess Eris and all you're doing is entering into debate and you're not doing anything that's, that's bringing about healing and you're not mending the nets. And he says, what's the battle all about? Let me explain really what's happening. He says, listen, some of you are saying, listen, I'm totally into Apollos. He's a great teacher. There's all these different teachers who came through Corinth. Then others will say, well, I'm connected with Cephas, Peter. He's the foundation of the church, the rock. They really held high esteem for Peter. I'm connected with him. We're doing our thing together. Some would say, well, I'm connected with Paul. He's the one who did all this work in Corinth. Others would say, well, we're the ones who are connected with Jesus. And we're the only ones. You guys don't have it right. So there's all this, all this infighting, basically because there was this selection of leadership and trying to say, I'm connected to this person. And Paul's just dumbfounded by it. Like, are you kidding me? Is is Christ divided? And the answer to that is no. No. But you're drawing to a leader? You know, we in this church have Jackson and I, who are the primary teachers for this church. And whenever you have two people like that, here's what happens in the body of Christ. It becomes pretty easy in the flesh to compare. You know, some of you say, Hey, I like, I like Richie. He's taller than Kramer. <laughs> He's obviously better looking, you know. <laughs> He's just kind of a hip, hip guy. And then a bunch of you say, no, ah, oh, I, I like Jackson so much better. He's older a lot. And he's got, he's got this incredible wisdom that's just like unbelievable. And he, he went to Stanford, so he must be smart, you know? And so, you know what? I know, and we know, because we hear it. And even in that area, really, dear saints, stop it. Stop it. Stop doing the comparison. Again, we're not here to put on a show. We're we're here to to draw you into the Word, to draw you to Christ. And so I pray for all of us that, yeah, you know, it's okay. We understand you're going to be drawn to a different style. It's preference. But don't let that hinder your entering into knowing the Lord more and entering into worship. And if you find yourself like, you know, who's teaching this next week because I'm not sure if I want to go, you know, just lay that before the Lord. We have, to learn, we have to learn to say, hey, I'm coming on Sunday morning into corporate worship because I want to worship God. Not Rod or Jackson. Not Adrienne. Not, we're here to lead you into worship. And this is the battle that was raging on. And you say, oh my goodness, we're in this incredible fighting and, and you're getting all focused on this. Christ didn't send me to baptize but to preach the gospel. Not of... Words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. All that is going on in our church family and in your lives and everything that is happening that is transforming you has nothing to do with humans. It has to do with the God of the universe who loves you. And we need to draw back to there. You're creating schisms that are absolutely stupid. Really, draw back to one another and let's worship God together because Christ isn't divided. Why unite when we can fight? We unite because it's who God is in his character. And when we unite instead of fight, let me show you a picture of what you experience. This is the body of Christ. This is David and Denise West. We sent them off last week. Part of our body for a long time. And all these people spent this beautiful evening together. All, all the body of Christ. And we just came together. And we just laid hands. And we just prayed. And we enjoyed sweet fellowship. And we enjoyed breaking bread together, laughing together, coming to God and saying, God, these dear saints belong to you, so lead their life now. But our hearts are still united, even though they're in California. You see, we miss this. We miss this. When we keep fighting, we miss the joy of the body of Christ. And we fight over stupidest things, don't we? And you go, oh my gosh, there's all this beauty, and all this love, and this is, these are. Met. You think we always got along all the time? I mean, you think we didn't disagree with things as we worked together and as we had life together? You don't think we rubbed rubbed each other the wrong way sometime? Oh yeah, sure. But did we let that get in the way of our love for each other? No, we mended nets along the way, and God drew our hearts together. And Paul is urging, pleading with us, draw back together in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are and we praise you for your work in our lives. And I pray, Father, you're, you're covering over this body. I pray that you would restore us where we are broken, that you would mend nets through the power of of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, make us whole. Help us to love each other well. And Father, forgive us, forgive us when we cause division. We surrender that at your cross today. In your precious name, amen. We're going to have communion. Guys, come on up. You... Empty the power of the cross, and as we take communion this morning, at the cross, at the cross we recognize all that he's done for us. At the cross we lay out our sin. At the cross we are forgiven and reconciled unto God. At the cross we ask for forgiveness from each other and are reconciled to one another. At the cross, we are humbled and reminded of Jesus and Jesus alone. At the cross, we are one. Together, recognizing our brokenness and our need for a Savior. At the cross, the power of God is manifest and God is glorified. Christ is glorified. The power of the resurrection. And so at the cross... All glory to God. Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Thank you, Father, for your body broken for us thank you that all all that took place for reconciliation with your father is because of you and father empower us through your holy spirit that we would be reconciled one to another we thank you father may you be glorified and then Jesus took the cup And he gave thanks. And he offered it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Father, that you forgive our sins and restore us, I pray. Christ's blood shed for us. Amen.